Hey, it's Ariella, your hostess, and welcome back to a podcast of Curious Minds. The Chit-Chatting and Questioning the World podcast discusses all wonders of the world. This month's episode is truly special. When I first heard about this cause, what came to my mind was not only how compelling this is and how critical it is to learn about, but that this must be the easiest way anyone can directly save a life. We are all familiar with the devastation cancer brings, one type being blood cancer. While chemotherapy and other traditional therapies can help, many patients rely on bone marrow transplants to save their lives. These patients vary in ages, backgrounds, and specific disease types, but they all share one thing in common, to find their ideal blood stem cell match so they can have a chance at surviving. Today, I'm so honored to have one of those patients on with me, George Encanta, who is going to share his incredible moving story. And we also have Lizzie, who is part of the recruitment team at Be The Match and supports signing up potential donors to save lives. Be The Match is a global company on a mission to allow stories like George's to exist. It will be very hard to feel a deep call to action at the end of this episode. Well, not to feel one, at least. So for background, Be The Match organization is a community of donors, volunteers, and health professionals who deliver cures by helping patients get the life-saving marrow transplant they need. Patients with blood cancers like leukemia, lymphoma, and other life-threatening diseases are connected to donors. But how challenging is it to find donors? How uncomfortable is the process to collect the marrow? And don't family members watch most of the time? The answers are quite surprising. So George and Elizabeth, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Lisbeth Hernandez, but everyone just calls me Lizzie, and I work for Be The Match. I am the account manager for Be The Match in New York, so we are a fairly large nonprofit. We're located in all 50 states, Puerto Rico and in Mexico, so I get the grand opportunity to oversee all of New York State. My name is George Nkata, and I am the very fortunate person that is celebrating my 20th anniversary from a donor that was from Be The Match. I was diagnosed with MDS about 20 years ago, and here I am to talk about it 20 years later. Yeah, and it's so special because it was the 20th anniversary, right? Last Tuesday? Yes, celebrated 20 years. That was the special day. Quite amazing. So Lizzie, what's the Be The Match organization in more depth? So Be The Match, we're a national nonprofit, like I've stated a little earlier. We are located in all 50 states, Puerto Rico and in Mexico. And we work with patients that have blood, cancer, diseases or illnesses such as leukemia, lymphoma and sickle cell. And our mission is to save lives through cellular therapy. And, you know, I'm excited to be here and share George's story as well. And to give you more information, you know, we do a lot of other stuff as well, but my team specifically, we're focused on the recruitment and education portion, which is really trying to educate the community and also recruit people to become potential donors. So George has a special story, as you mentioned, and I'm so grateful that he's able to share it with us. So how did Be The Match save your life, George? So just to start from the beginning, I had went to the doctor. He came across, I was did a routine lab work. I actually was going to take some medicine and they wanted to do check my blood. And he did say that the white blood level was a little out of abnormal ranges. So I followed up a few months later. I was in denial, didn't think anything was an issue. I was 20 years younger at the time. I followed up and my primary care doctor said it wasn't a big problem. Come back in a month and we'll check it again. And it just never really had changed. The blood was always a little abnormal. So I did decide to go to 
Cornell University, and there they said, my numbers are a little out of range, and we did a, a bone marrow aspiration. And they said, when they, after the, you know, get the results from the bone marrow aspirations, when they take the blood, the marrow out of your bone in the back, and they said, no, you have MDS, mild dysplastic syndrome. So I didn't know what that was. Of course, I was in denial. I was feeling 100%, didn't have any symptoms at all. So I guess I'm very fortunate because MDS can turn into AML, which is a very severe form of leukemia. So I, I decided to go get a second opinion and I went to Sloan Kettering and they agreed with the diagnosis. They had a different method of doing it. The doctor, Gail Robos at Cornell recommended if I wanted another opinion to go to Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center on the West Coast in Seattle, Washington. And I got on a plane and I wanted another opinion because like I said, I did not have this disease. <laughs> I was in denial. And of course, they confirmed it. And they said, you need to get this done. You need to get a, a bone marrow or stem cell transplant. And you need to go on a registry, not knowing anything about beta match or anything. So I, I was on a registry and apparently they put me on beta match. I didn't know anything about it. And about six months later, they found a perfect match, a 10 match. And I decided to get my stem cell transplant done at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. And I was there for about 100 days. They call it the 100-day treatment. And that's basically how I was diagnosed and treated. Wow. So it was within six months that it was found? Yes, I was very lucky. They did find a 9 out of 10 match. And I think I turned it down. And they were like, no, you really shouldn't. You should consider it. Again, I was in denial. I didn't think I had this disease because I was fairly healthy at the time. No problems, no symptoms. It's just the blood was off. And I waited and they found it, I think, the 10 out of 10 match a few months later. So 10 out of 10 matches, like when it's the same blood, the same everything. I guess Lizzie could explain that better. Is it the proteins that line up when they say 10 out of 10? It's your HLA marker. HLA. Okay. HLA marker. Okay. Are they going further now? Looking at 12 out of 12, I heard. Is that true or? No, it's still, your perfect match is still a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. That's okay. That's ideal to save someone. And when you talk about the 10 out of 10, if it's not a 10 out of 10, you get what you call GVHD, graft versus host disease. Am I right, Lizzie? Did you have I, more likelihoods of <laughs> getting graft versus host? It's a little complicated and I'm not a physician. You know, there's a different team for that. Right. But right. our hope is to find perfect matches, you know, those 10 out of 10s, those 9s out of 10s or 8 out of 10s, right? So sometimes there are times when you have family members and they're half matches. So that is called a haploid. So when someone comes to our registry, you know, you were fortunate enough to find a match. There are other cases where people don't have matches and they only have half matches because there are no other options. They will have to go through the haploid match. So how involved, George, are you in the organization today? Like I said, it's 20 years, and I'm kind of embarrassed that it took me 20 years to finally get involved with Beat a Match. And I do have my daughter to thank for that. Isabella is 15 years old, a little younger than you, Lizzie, and very inspiring that we happened to be watching Good Morning America one day, and Robin Roberts was celebrating her 10-year anniversary just a few months ago. And uh, they were talking about it, and it just so happened that Robin Roberts, Gail Robles is her doctor also. And I was very excited to see my doctor on there. Robin Roberts was interviewing her and my daughter was so like, wow, that's your doctor. She couldn't believe it. And she was like, how come we never did this? What is this all about? What is beat a match? I was explaining it to her and she said, we have to get together and do something. So here we are today talking about it. And uh, over the holidays, as you know, Arielle, you joined us and we did that great drive in front of my house and we were able to get about 30 people to sign up and we raised some money for beat a match. And that's one of many in the future we plan on doing. 
Yeah, I definitely witnessed how difficult it was too, though, to get people to sign up. Yes, you were a witness of that. (laughs) Yeah, so that actually is a good transition. So there are many challenges that prevent people from getting this life-saving treatment. And Lizzie, could you tell us about them? Because I know there's the health disparity gap, which makes it difficult to find a match. Besides the fact that some people are hesitant to get on the registry, others just simply don't have access. Yeah, so we definitely do have a lot of challenges on one being the requirement. So in order for you to sign up and join the registry, you do have to be between the ages of 18 to 40. People that are under 18, you know, you'll get an opportunity to turn 18. But for people that are past 40, we call them, they're overqualified. And unfortunately for a lot of people that, you know, want to sign up and are passionate about this cause is they don't meet the age requirement. So that's a challenge. Another challenge is that there is a health requirement. And, you know, based on those requirements, we also want to make sure that whoever's signing up as a potential donor, they're also in a good health standing. So, you know, there are those health requirements. There is also a huge health disparity gap within our registries, even though we are proud to say that we are the largest and, you know, most diverse registry in the world. And we operate the National Bone Marrow Registry and we have a large global network. There is still a lot of work to be done. So based on your ethnicity, the percentages change your likelihood of finding a match. So if you identify as someone as Black or African-American, you have a 29% chance of finding a match versus if you identify as white or Caucasian, you are at a 79% chance of finding a match. And, you know, it kind of gets more complicated when you get to, you know, the nitty gritty of being biracial and multiracial, your likelihood of finding a match is based on your ethnic background due to that HLA marker that some ethnicities share. So we do have a lot of work to do, but I'm hoping that, you know, with this opportunity, people get to also learn about us and, you know, just kind of spark an idea because, you know, this is something that people can get involved with. So the ethnic backgrounds of people, like it's necessary to get, like if I was to get a match, it has to be within the same ethnic background as myself because of those HLA markers? You know, there are those probabilities based on also like what is your ethnic background and what, some, what you have in your DNA, right? So we actually have a staff member who identifies as Black and African-American and her donor ended up being white, a white man. But that's because, you know, with your ancestry, sometimes, you know, we come from different backgrounds and sometimes you don't know where your walks of life came from, from like, you know, your great, great, great grandparents. So, but for the most part, it is really based on ethnic background, based on that HLA type that you share. I didn't know that that could happen. It's very rare. Yeah. I have a question yeah. if I can. So Lizzie, has this uh, 23andMe and the other thing, knowing your backgrounds and your DNA, has it changed anything with Beat a Match? No, because we don't have access to that, I guess I would say. Okay. So when someone also signs and joins our registry, right? One of the challenges is that people are afraid that their DNA, because you are swabbing your cheeks and that kind of turns people away, think that we're going to sell their information or some people say we're going to clone them. That is not the case. <laughs> Even if you sign up, I don't have access to that information. So when someone signs up, there is, you know, donor confidentiality and there are waivers that you also sign. And we won't, like I said, I don't personally have access to anyone that signs up. It would make things a lot easier. We could just access people, but it's also people have to be, have to consent to sign up and join the registry and want to do this, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all volunteer based and no one right. is forcing to sign up and become a donor. 
And then regarding family, because I know like when I looked into myself, I assumed that immediate family would be a very like likely match, but I was actually wrong. It turns out that while a sibling is most likely to be a match, there's still a one in four chance of your cells matching, which is called a match-related donor transplant. So anyone else in the family is unlikely to match. Very similar to your DNA, right? You get chromosomes from your mother and chromosomes from your father. So same thing with your HLA marker. Some Half are there from your mom and half are from your dad. So if you have siblings, there's only a 25% chance that you'll be a match. But in general, like let's say you don't have siblings, but you have like your parents, there's only a 30% chance that someone in your immediate family will be a match for you. So for the other 70% chance, which is the majority of people, unfortunately don't have matches in their family. And that's why our registries exist because they don't have that in their family to save their life. And, you know, it would make things a lot easier speaking if someone in your family was a match, but that's not the way it works, unfortunately. And then regarding the process itself and its requirements, if let's say I'm choosing to get on the registry and swap my cheek, does it cost anything? Be the match covers all costs. We cover all your medical expenses. So if your insurance doesn't cover it, Be The Match will cover your hotel stay, your travel, your meals for you and a companion. If you need a dog sitter, we'll cover your dog sitting. If you miss work one day or two days, we'll also cover that because we are located in every state. And, you know, you could go to your local hospital to do your transplant work and blood work. But, you know, sometimes people make a vacation out of it. So if you want to travel to Seattle or California or Florida and do your your work there, we will also pay for your air flight. Like I said, for you and a plus one and your meals and all that. So we cover everything. Just we want to make sure that, you know, we really minimize all the challenges and obstacles for a potential donor to say no. Right. Because these are also some inconveniences that can happen. Like people have jobs and people have school. So we work with a lot of, you know, schools and, you know, we're trying to pass legislation to ensure that, you know, you do get days off if you are a match or, you know, you need to go donate. But yes, everything for a donor is cost free. And when you sign up, even before I get a match, like if I just want to swab my cheek to be on the registry, does that cost anything before I even find out I matched with anyone? Nope. Be the match covers all costs. So I was under the impression that this is a scary and painful process, like the actual getting on the registry. And then once you're on it, if you match with someone to give them the bone marrow. So if I get on the registry, what do I need to do exactly? Like, what's the process like? So joining the registry is very simple. It takes on average about three minutes to sign up. And there are two different methods to sign up. The most common method is called peripheral blood stem cell donation, so short for PBSE. And that's about 90% of our process. And if you're familiar with donating plasma or platelets, that's a process. People, sometimes people don't know what that means. So I explained that it's very similar to donating blood. And the difference is when you sign up and join the registry, you actually don't donate anything. It's only if and when you are a match. So we hope that, you know, everyone that signs up gets a call one day and says yes. But going back to PBSC, so you get a medicine injected five days prior to your donation process, a medicine called filgastrum. And just to kind of boost your stem cells, your stem cells come from your bloodstream. So, you know, once it's donation day, you, you will go to your local your transplant center, hospital, whatever your physician, you know, that will be up to your workup specialist. You'll be there. You'll extract the blood from your arm. They'll filter out the stem cells in your bloodstream, and then you get your blood back in the other arm. So sometimes people ask us, like, people ask us about LGBTQIA, 
your sexual orientation does not matter because your blood type doesn't matter to us. It's the stem cells that comes from your bloodstream that we need. And that's 90% of our procedure. It is non-surgical and you are in and out that same day. So the other 10%, which is a marrow donation, which people, I feel like it's the most common people think of, but you know, there's a lot of myths with that. We do not take your bone or saw any of your legs. I know how they show in the movies. And that is about like 10% or less of the time. And that's only really for like really rare blood cancer diseases or for pediatric patients. So babies and little kids. And that is where they'll, um, it is surgical. You're under anesthesia with a needle. They will insert your hip bone, your pelvic bone behind your back. And then they will extract the stem cells from your bone marrow. So that is what the process will be like. And that's only for 10% of cases? Yes, 10% or less. So when you sign up also for the registry, you don't get to kind of choose what method you go through. It's really up to the physician and the doctor for whatever method is best for that patient. So when you're signing up, it could either go either way, but you know, technology is so advanced that 90% of our procedures is PBSE, which is very similar to donating plasma or platelets. So if you do sign up, the chance that it will be surgical, you know, it's 10%, it's very slim. And I feel like the way you explained it, even if it is surgical, it's not anything too risky. There's no really side effects for the donor. You know, there's just some pain and discomfort, but also will vary depending on who you are. You know, I think pain is very subjective, but from what we've heard, women tend to take more pain than men. So, and that's That's something that has been reported from our donors. I met a lovely volunteer late last year and she actually went to go and donate twice and she said she would do it again. And typically that's the most time you can do it. And that's very rare for you to be a matched case. You know, she was just so happy and able to do so. Typically for the PBSC, the pain is like if you've done a hard day of like working out, doing arm day. And if you, the marrow donation, it's like, if you know, we're in New York. So if you fall on ice on your tailbone, that's what it feels like on average, what people explain the pain. Like I said, also pain is very subjective, but also women tend to say it's less painful. We actually had a young lady from Yale who donated the morning of, and then that evening she had a volleyball tournament where I think she had a play and she went to go through the donation process, did her process. And then that evening played a Yale volleyball tournament and she was good. They won the game. So that just wow. to show you how simple it is. You're able to go back to normal. And if you're a healthy human being, your your body will naturally replenish those stem cells. So all it is is multiple bone marrow respirations, correct? Is that similar? I'm not familiar with that process. Oh, okay. I wouldn't know. I'm just thinking if they're taking it out, if they're taking out the marrow, because, you know, bone marrow aspiration as they go in toward the back, same thing. I think it's multiple times. I don't know. I was just curious if you know. See, you don't even know. That's how rare it is. Maybe it's less than 10%. <laughs> yeah. So last year it was 85 to 15, but, and every year it changes, right? So I think even next year, the numbers might be slimmer because, you know, technology is so advanced and now 90%, that's almost very close to 100. So I feel like it might be appealing to people because I feel like people are afraid or nervous, but they see TV and they see it's painful, but that's not the case. And if you're signing up, it doesn't necessarily mean you're giving your bone marrow. It's just you're signing up, you know? It's just saying that if you do get that call, you could just donate some blood. Yeah. So, and sometimes you may get a call, but you may not be a perfect match. And then, you know, we hope that 
you know, this patient may have more matches that, you know, they're perfect matches, but sometimes, yeah, it's very rare for you to get a call. We are looking for younger donors. We see that physicians, you know, that 15 to 35 age range is kind of more important because, you know, your stem cells are the most viable during that time. But sometimes people can get a call within a year, two years, 10 years. I met a lot of people at events where they've been on the registry for 10, 20 years and never donated. I've heard people's story donated within the first year of signing up the registry. So it really just varies. And I know you said also that like this one woman donated two times and then, you know, you can't really donate after that. So do you get taken off the registry if that happens to occur? If you like donate more than two times? Um, you'll still be on the registry. Everyone typically is on the registry until their 61st birthday or if you call me the match and we'll take you off the registry if you wish so. But I think she's still on the registry. Obviously, we do have access to your information. So if you've donated more than twice, I feel like twice or three times is like the maximum. But that's very, very rare. So it's unheard of. How likely is it that I would get a call in my lifetime that I, I am a match for someone? Like, is there certain probability that I would get called? Because I know it's not 100%. Typically, it's like one in 220 people. But like I said, it varies now, especially since more young donors are needed. So we just hope that everyone that signs up is ready and committed and wants to save a life. And George, we talked about it prior, but will I get to meet the person I'm donating to? Because I know you said you did meet the person, but you had to wait a certain amount of time. Yes. In my situation, when I was at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, they did not give me his name till I went back to my first annual checkup. And I was got I received his name, you know, he was on the registry and I mailed him a card and it went to a PO box and it came back to me. And I never reached out after that. I put the card away and believe it or not, I saved it after 18 years. <laughs> and COVID happened. And just going through stuff, just sitting in your house all these days and go through boxes. And I came across that card and his name was on the front. And thank God for Facebook. It has some good benefits. <laughs> and uh, I just looked him up and I instant messaged him. And we spoke and since then. And we always talk. And I reached out to him. Recently, he lives in California. And he's about my age. And if you look at him, he kind of like my similar built. And we haven't met yet, but we do talk. We spoke on the phone a couple of times and I'm looking forward to meeting him. So you're planning on meeting him in the future? I would love to. You know, he's on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast and we're going to get there sooner or later. Wow. But it's so it would nice. be really nice to meet him. Yes. Seems like an amazing person. He's a fireman. So overall, it's truly incredible to learn that if we want to embark on the opportunity of a lifetime to directly save someone's life and their family's life, all we need to do is swap our cheeks with a Q-tip and wait for a phone call. How are fellow curious minds able to get more involved in the organization if they wish? Because I know some people, you know, feel for this cause and want to get more involved. And it's hard to know sort of where to start or where to go. Just reaching out, right? There's many ways to get involved. You can be a volunteer. Our volunteers are amazing and they really, you know, spend their time and energy trying to educate their community and their loved ones. That's the one way to get involved. You could also fundraise, right? So if you don't meet the age requirement or, you know, you don't meet the health requirement, that's another great way to support the cause. And this is how we're able to, you know, provide and cover all those costs for our donors and our patients and host an event or a drive in your local community, church, do a swap your circle with your friends. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. Just go to bethematch.org and fill out a form that you want to get involved. There's different avenues to do so. 
Yeah. And I know like George and Isabella, you guys set up fundraisers and, you know, those events that we did where we would promote people joining the registry. So I'm sure, can anyone do that if they sign up and they try to get approval for that? Yes. Anyone can, that is interested, they will do, you know, just an engagement form, fill it out, we'll get more info because we are located in all 50 states. So if someone, let's say, is hearing this from, let's say, Carolina or Florida, we do have a team that will get in contact with you based on where you are located. So that is where we'll get the info. You'll be able to volunteer, host your own registry event. You could do it at your local community college. The possibilities are endless. And I have to say, when my family and even Ariel and her mom came to work with us, I thought it'd be so overwhelming, but you guys really equipped us with everything. You did an amazing job. You were right there. You walked us through it. You sent us all the information. We set up the table and we were ready to go. Yeah, it was really organized. It really was seamless. And after we did all the swabbing, we got about 30. I hope that was good. You never know. One out of one could be a match. You never know. It's that one lotto ticket, right? Could be the winning ticket. If you think about each swab is, is a lotto ticket. It was great. You guys were amazing. You did a great job. And Ariel was there to witness it. Thank you. And yeah, we're very, very happy. And we want to do it again. And I know Isabella she is really excited to do it. We're going to do it probably at Christmas time again, because we actually have the most traffic for the house. But I know Isabella is going to be excited to do it her junior and senior year. And that's when she will be able to swab and to get the seniors involved. They'll be over Exciting. 18. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. That's a great thing. So we're going to make this grow and keep growing it. So we were just talking about some actions that teens could take or any curious minds could take if they want to get more involved in this organization or just any organization similar to this. So we talked about how we can really do many things, but moreover, just like how we can be fortunate enough to match to someone and give them a gift of life or donate to the organization directly. You can also become an advocate and help spread awareness like Lizzie and George. But the biggest thing you can do is simply swab your cheek and register because you really never know. And it doesn't necessarily mean you'll even get called, but doing so makes a difference. So I did want to mention how you register. It's super easy. So you text 20 years for George to 61474. So it's 20YRS for George. So G-E-O-R-G-E. And then you text it to 61474. So you will then receive a text with the URL and then you follow the link. And after that, a swab kit is arrived at your doorstep and you can attend an in-person event and swab your cheek or you can send what you swab. That's all you do to sign up. Then you're, you become on the registry. George and Lizzie, I really appreciate both of your time on the Chit Chatting and Questioning the World podcast. It's truly an honor to speak to people who do good for the world. And in addition to the match.org website that we talked about that has that information and also those forms in case people want to run like fundraisers like George did with sort of advocating and spreading awareness on be, on joining the registry. How are Curious Minds able to follow you both? If you have social media or websites of your own to look at. Yeah, so, you know, we have the Be The Match org, which is our main nonprofit page that people can go and read on about HLA typing, donation, how to get involved, how to fundraise. Um, we also do core donation. Um, I know we didn't get to speak about that, but you know, we do a lot of different great things in the community. So that's be the match.org. We're also on all social medias, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. 
Um, but we have a specific Instagram account for New York. So it's be the match and why. And that is how you can follow us and get in contact with specifically our team in New York. Or if there's, you know, I can also give you my email if anybody has any questions or wants to follow up. But be the match.org is probably the best way. I don't know where everyone's located. And that is the best, best way to get in contact with someone. And George, what about you? I do not have any specific account set up. I am on, you know, Instagram when it comes to be the match. I do follow be the match NY. I'm on both of them. So, and you, so follow the Instagram within your state then. Yes. Isabella has an account for you. Yeah, she does. So you can probably. T- <laughs> yes. So it's the same thing as the the name is the same as his personal code. How you, people can, you know, sign up and join the registry. So it's 20 years. Y-R-S for the number four, George, G-E-O-R-G-E. So it's the same thing. And there's more info about, you know, George's wonderful story and his codes on there and that's how you'll be able to get in contact with both of us and i have to say lizzie did an amazing job on my profile for my 20-year anniversary thank you so much so listeners make sure to follow to look at the website and also follow the podcast's instagram account which is chitchattingtheworld.podcast again it's chitchattingtheworld.podcast we post monday's mad facts and any fascinating research or information we think you curious minds would appreciate And until next month's episode, stay curious.